Hi everyone, welcome to our next episode. Um, so in our previous episode, we talked about the Euro, um, tumors of the urethelium. And so we're going to delve more into this topic and actually talk about, we'll focus on the female tumors, genital tract tumors first, and then yes. we'll talk about the, the male genital tumors. But today, we'll give you a very brief overview of all the, the female genital tumors, mm. with the exception of cervix and ovaries, because I think that deserves an entire topics by itself because they it's so important. Yes. Um, so Andy, do you want to kick us off maybe by mm. talking about, let's say, the fallopian um, yeah. tumors affecting the fallopian so tube? So we'll start from fallopian, go down the uterus and into the vagina and then yeah. also to the vulva. So the we'll outside. start from the top of the genitals essentially mm. and work our way to the outside to the outside area of the um, female genital tract. So let's talk about the fallopian tube. What are some non-benign causes? Because you know how you can have a growth, yep. yeah, non-neoplastic causes of these growths. Mm. So some, some extra growths caused by uh, non-cancerous causes. We can think of infections. And so infections-wise, you would think of uh, salpingitis, so the inflammation of the fallopian tube. Mm. And it could be acute or it could be chronic. It could be granulomatous or it, it can, could contain other foreign bodies. Yeah, exactly. So the reason infection and inflammation leads to this growth is because I'm sure, I'm sure if you ever hurt your ankle when you play sport, you're going to get swelling. Mm. And so that swelling is still a tumor because it's the growth, mm. but it's not a neoplastic one. Mm. So how would it look like macroscopically, Andy? So let's say you've got salpingitis due to chlamydia or gonorrhea, which, is, which are common causes of it. What are its macroscopic features? Macroscopically, you could... So in the fallopian tube, you've got fimbriae. These, these are little projections into mm. the tube. That, um, that increase the surface area. And these guys can actually adhere and fuse together. So you've got a fusion of it. Yeah. Um, it could cause dilation of the tube or it could cause the tube to be filled with pus as well. Yeah. So, I think fimbria is the, the motion that actually attracts the egg into the fallop, oh, okay, actually, fallopian tube. Yeah, I think you're thinking about the pellicae, which Oops. are the little tiny things, I think, My if bad, I'm not yes. mistaken. It's been a while since I looked at the histology of it. And then what about microscopically with salpingitis? What do you tend to see? Microscopically, you've got acute or chronic inflammation that could be seen. So I, I guess you would see the um, either neutrophils or macrophages yeah. present. Um, you could also see the plicae being fused yeah, together. Yeah, I think the plicae is what is what you were referring to before with the surface yes. area. And so, like, why do we care about salpingitis? You know, who cares? What's the well, what's the big problem? The point is that this the fallopian tube is important for the egg to mm. actually pass through down yeah. and you know it, it's it's a crucial structure for uh for pregnancy to actually absolutely occur. so yeah. if if this is affected then you can either have infertility or mm. ectopic pregnancies could occur and which we'll go through what yeah ectopic we'll go through pregnancy that. Yeah. is or abscess formation as well exactly and abscess mm. formation that I mean that can render that yeah fallop affected fallopian tube essentially non-functioning mm. until you resolve it yeah so and imagine the scarring that would happen afterwards as well Jeez. So you mentioned ectopic pregnancy. That's another sort of non-neoplastic growth, isn't it? A very important one. And what is an ectopic pregnancy anyway? So ectopic, it refers to the pregnancy being outside its normal place, yes. and which that would be inside the uterus. Yes. So the egg will pass, usually passes through the fallopian tube, gets um, fuses with the sperm, and then further travels down and gets implanted in the um, in the uterus, right? Absolutely. But if, let's say, it... it, it gets obstructed and it just stops and starts growing in the fallopian tube, then the fallopian tube isn't designed to expand. No, it's a tube. It's not a, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a sort of, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's not a sac that can accommodate a growing baby. It's a no. tiny tube. Exactly. And so what happens in like macroscopically, if you, if you are suspecting an ectopic pregnancy, 
once again, we could see a dilated, um, dilated fallopian tube, or it could have a hemorrhagic appearance, I mm. believe. Probably, you could also sometimes see a fetus present yeah. as well. So either the fetus might get aborted, mm. or it might be present. And I think, remember in our histology, we saw, we saw a fetus. Mm. You know, do you remember that? It was. It was very. Uh, I was a bit disturbed by it actually about how like how tiny it was and and you know developed. Mm. But I mean, it's terrible when this happens. And what do you see sort of um, in, in microscopically? Are there any like placental associated tissues that might start to develop? I think you see this chorionic villi. But yeah. do you have a better explanation of what? I that think is? that's that's pretty much it's the starting remnants of the placenta being developed. Um, mm. But obviously, the fetus doesn't mature to that yep. level so you don't get the full placenta mm. and unfortunately mm. if it's caught late you have to remove the i mean it's called salpingectomy where you remove the fallopian tube and Jeez. i mean that renders one of the ovaries really non-functional because the eggs can't be transmitted yep. which is terrible so they're the um the common mm. non-neoplastic tumors but what about some of the neoplastic tumors and i must admit i mean our mm. lectures didn't really go into too much detail with these no. so i'm suspecting either one it's not going to be really examinable or two they've just gone through it for a bit of our own knowledge so mm. i think that's we won't dedicate too much to it because no, there are bigger more I, important I, cancers I, frankly I, i'm not too familiar with like it, it, any of the in-depth knowledge regarding mm. these guys but from what i know the benign tumor is called a um, adenomatoid tumor yes whereas a malignant tumor it could be either primary carcinoma or um, the, a secondary metastasis Metastases. Yeah. I think in terms of the malignant neoplasms, the metastases, just from my reading, are more mm. important because okay. you've got this ovaries, which we'll talk about in a separate episode, mm -hmm. in very close proximity. And ovaries can have some unusual tumors, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. They can have a lot of those germ cell tumors. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the sort of malignant tumors are probably secondary due to the ab ab abdomen, so from the peritoneum. Yep peritoneum sorry or from the ovaries mm. so let's leave it at that okay let's talk about the uterus because now that's got some interesting yeah. things going on with it as well very cool so what are some examples of non-neoplastic growth or tumors in order to understand it i think you'd have to have a good understanding of uh, the uterus histology which mm. we probably won't go into too much detail but you need to know there's two we'll layers. go through it in obs and gynae, but not mm. in this sort of yeah. block but for now all you need to know is that there's two layers a uh, endometrium and a myometrium. Yes. Myometrium is the muscle layer, whereas the endometrium is the area where it gets stimulated by estrogen and grows throughout yes. um, during the period cycles, etc. And that's in the menstrual cycle. At the end, that's what's shed. Yes, um, the endometrial endometrium. lining. And so when we talk about endometrial cancers, we're talking about cancers that come in the endometrial yeah. layer. Okay, so now back into it. So your question was, what's a non-neoplastic tumor mm. that could happen? There's occur? two that I think we need to know. Okay, I yeah. can name one. Uh, endometriosis, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. The, I think that's the endometrial glands and stroma that's within that layer. They go outside their mm. usual place. The usual place would be in the uterus, whereas there's a few theories of why, why it goes outside into the usual place, but they could possibly somehow migrate to, let's say, abdominal structures, and that would be every every cycle of the period they would also proliferate and shed. Mm. And so it just follows the hormonal cycle, which really is crazy. Weird. Yes, because I think the common sites are mm -hmm. you can have it in the rectouterine pouch. So I think in the rectal exams you palpate the um, pouch of Douglas, and okay. I think an area pouch of Douglas maybe an area where it could affect it. And so oh. these patients complain of really severe pain on defecation. Mm -hmm. I think in the ovaries, if it's there, it's called a chocolate cyst because that tissue, once it dies, it becomes necrotic and yes. it looks like chocolate. 
It but doesn't look like a souffle. It's it's a, it's 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 pretty <laughs> disgusting. But uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, I'm never having souffle again. <laughs> um, but also in the bladder, it can cause um, pain on um, urination because yeah. um, these tumors can be quite painful. Mm. But why why do we care? What, what's the obviously there's this you know discomfort or so and this menorrhea mm. and all this pain. Mm. Is there a tiny? I know it's non neoplastic, but is there a potential for it to put possibly be cancer? And definitely, you are right because it has an increased risk of developing into carcinoma. Yeah, and especially at the sites of the endometriosis. So we would uh, in this case we would be referring to the ovaries. Yeah, and I think we we mentioned that it, the endometrium is on top of the myometrium, but sometimes I think it can infiltrate into the myometrium, and that's called the adeno. Adenomyosis, if I'm not mistaken. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, what's another example of a non-neoplastic growth okay, in so the uterus? This time we could think about once again relating to the endometrial layer, but this time it's called endometrial hyperplasia. So we're staying within the um, the uterus this time, but the endometrial layer is just increased in thickness. Yes. But what causes that? So I think it's often associated with unopposed um, estrogen. Use. Okay. So in the case of hormone replacement therapy, back when okay. there was no progesterone component to it, yeah, um, and uh, menopausal women were given this, mm-hmm. then that was a big risk factor for it. And I think it still is a risk factor. It's not the risk is not zero. Mm-hmm. So that's the common risk factor. And what you tend to then get worried about is the fact that you have a pre uh, postmenopausal woman who's been taking HRTs, mm-hmm. so hormone replacement therapy, yeah, and they come in with unusual heavy bleeding which is you know in a postmenopausal when you really don't expect to have heavy period mm. that's a big warning sign of what's going on mm. but as the name suggests endometrial hyperplasia is an increased cellularity of the growth it's not cancer yet mm. um, but it it's it's a worrisome sign if it if these women are on long long-term hrt mm. um, and i think a very small percentage again depending on the level of cellular atypia or abnormality can transform into cancer are you happy to talk about the cancers, Andy? Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have to talk about it anyways, right? So we've talked about two of the causes of mm. non-uterus, uh, non-neoplastic uh, tumors that occur in the uterus. Now we're going into the heavy-hitting cancers. Of yeah, let's talk about lyomyomas first because that's the benign okay. type of neoplasm. Exactly. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very relatively straightforward mm. one to talk about. What is a lyomyoma? So lyomyoma, so mm. it's... Lyo, I think I'm referring to muscle, okay. smooth muscle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sure. Rhabdo is skeletal, so lyo mm. must be smooth muscle. Yes. And I think it's a smooth, and it makes sense because myometrium is smooth muscle. You don't have any control over your myometrium. Mm. But it's a um, proliferation of the smooth muscle of the myometrium. Mm. Um, it's usually well circumscribed, and it just causes protrusion either into the lumen of the uterus or it can cause compression of the surrounding structures in the uterus. Mm-hmm. And that's how these women present with these sort of compression-like symptoms. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the li- risk of malignancy, I don't think it's very high. It's really well circumcised and well... It the, the, doesn't have the abnormal structural or architectural associations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should mention it just for completeness. Mm. Um, but let's talk about the the big one that we always worry about, and that's endometrial carcinoma. Do yep. you want to go through it? Yeah, so... We previously the, with the lyomyoma that you mentioned already, it, it arises from the myometrium, the deeper layer of it. Now we're going back into the endometrium mm. again. Yeah, so, and this is a malignant type now. Yes. Yeah. So this is a malignant cancer that is a proliferation of endometrial glands. So the glands are the ones that's affected, and it is probably the most common invasive carcinoma of the female genital tract. Mm. So if we look at it 
under a microscope, you see a complex glandular and papillary architecture. So the glands that you see are arranged back to back without yeah. much of the normal stroma. So usually you would see them quite spaced out, but then because it's uh, they're increased in proliferation, so they're now squished together. Yeah, from I think this back to back feature yeah. is very important. If you see okay. back to back glands without any stroma, mm. that suggests that something architecturally is abnormal mm. and again that's a telltale sign of this sort of condition mm. um what are some of the common presentations if, if patients if you know these women have mm. you know endometrial carcinomas so i think once again they would present as postmenopausal bleeding yeah 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 exactly right mm. um now and what are the contributors to it do does some you know is it does hyperplasia we mentioned that it might be important. Does that play a role in terms of developing these these mm. cancers? And there's there's two distinct pathways to it. Like so, two main ways they could be formed. One is hyperplasia. The other one is sporadic. From from what I understand. Yeah. With hyperplasia, they account for the majority of these endometrial carcinoma cases, and the, these carcinomas arise from the previous previously mentioned endometrial hyperplasia. Mm. So they were non neoplastic previously, but then they evolved into the carcinoma this yes. type. And, and I think it's related to estrogen exposure, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. So all the risk factors we mentioned for breast cancer are probably relevant here as well. So having an mm-hmm. early menarche, mm-hmm. having a late menopause, HRT, which is estrogen exposure, mm-hmm. not having a late pregnancy as well or not mm-hmm. being pregnant are all key factors to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the other type that you mentioned? So you said the sporadic one, but I don't quite understand it. What Do you, do you have a better understanding? Um, I think it's um, it's sporadic means that it's not due to any um, any other causes, mm-hmm. and to be honest, I don't fully appreciate um, appreciate what it means. I think it's just carcinoma arising from atrophic endometrium, so an endometrium that hasn't been stimulated with excessive estrogen. It seems to be more common in in the elderly, so greater in females greater than the age of seventy, mm-hmm. um, and it has a sort of a serous histology with papillary structures mm-hmm. and somomas, which are these calcified concentric structures. But aside from that, I really don't know too much Some about it. Bodies, yeah, yeah, because the majority of the cases are due to endometrial hyperplasia. So yes. that, um, I think if you understand that there are two different types. Mm. Then it's um I think that that should be sufficient for I'll, navigating I'll call, your way I'll call around. That a win. Yeah, I think so. The next area, so we've gone from the uterus. The next area below the uterus would be the cervix. Yes. But let's not dedicate. We're going to dedicate an entire topic to ovaries and ovaries mm. and, and cervix. But there are some important cancers associated with the cervix, particularly squamous cell cancers, mm. and there are benign lesions, which would be you know infections. So let's say um, chlamydia infection would be an example. Mm. But we won't go into it because that's going to be a whole topic on itself so stay tuned for the next episode yeah stay tuned for the next episode mm. but let's go down from the so next is the vagina from the cervix isn't it yes. and what are some bl- uh, benign lesions that you might expect to see in the mm. um in the in, in the vaginal canal okay so benign t- uh, so uh, benign or should we go through ne- non-neoplastic actually so let's go sorry non-neoplastic first yeah. yeah okay so with non-neoplastic tumors we've got well you can have a congenital cause so this could be a septate vagina, which I had to look into it. I think that actually means there's a there's a um the, a separate wall that goes down. The there vagina. are two walls, aren't they? And, and and it divides the vagina. Yeah, I think we learned it briefly yeah. about in our, one of mm-hmm. our Obzangani lectures. And then you could also have vaginal atresia. Yeah. So what that means is that it becomes a closed-ended tunnel. Mm. So that is, that was pretty crazy. And then you could have other infections that commonly infect yep. in the vagina. So candida, 
HPV, which is very important, which we'll yeah. mention later on. We'll mention uh, um, papillomavirus in a in a micro talk in the future, but we'll briefly mention it in our cervix um, tumors. Mm. So, what about sort of the benign tumors that that might be benign neoplasms that might be evident? Mm. Um, and I think an example was that was squamous papilloma. So it's a squamous cell that has this finger-like structures. Yes. And they don't have the potential for um, for transformation. Mm. But I think this brings us to the malignant ones because that's the really important sort of... There are three key cancers that we need to cover. Yes. Let's talk about sort of the clear cell carcinomas first. Let's get that out of the way and then we can get into the more heavy-nitty, heavy-greedy stuff there. Definitely. What's clear cell carcinoma is all about? So a clear cell is it's actually called a clear cell adenocarcinoma. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah adenocarcinoma. That's, okay. that's right. And it, it's perfectly, uh, it's very important to know the names because that, okay, so with these cancers, right, um, in the vagina, you usually find the mucosa being lined by a non-keratinizing squamous epithelium. And so that's why a lot of the other cancers are squamous, papillomas, squamous, carcinomas, etc. Yes. Um, whereas, interestingly, the adenocarcinomas arise from this thing called an adenosis. So this is a pathology where there is a persistence of columnar epithelium that usually disappears once the, um, once the, the embryo and the, 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 neo, uh, the development of the child has gone through... Uh, once the child is born, you lose this columnar epithelium in the vagina. Except that if you actually retain it, you can increase your chance of getting this disease called adenosis. And then a consequence of adenosis is that you increase the risk of developing clear cell adenocarcinoma, where there's a malignant proliferation of glands with clear cytoplasm. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. And um, do you remember what was the biggest risk factor for it? There's a particular hormone that they used to give pregnant women to maintain their pregnancy. Yes, I think it was called diethyl... Uh, still bestrol or something? Still bestrol. Oh, it's, it, it's abbreviated as DES. And it's crazy because these these agents were given, I think in the 1970s or okay. 1980s, to pregnant women to ensure that they don't have miscarriages. Yep. But in a small percentage, it causes a congenital abnormality in their daughters, mm. and the daughters develop cancer later in life. So it's a really feared mm. um, consequence of this agent. Yes. Um, thankfully, not all of all females develop Mm. All, all child developed this, but it's a big concern. Yes. Let's talk about a rarer. This was already quite rare, I think. This was very rare, but there's a, a, another rare one that we should mention oh, because geez. it might come up in an exam. What is that? Um, I think it's called embryonal rhabdomyosarcoma. So oh, rhabdo, skeletal muscle, yes. myo, which is obviously related to muscle, and sarcoma. Sarcoma is a malignant tumor of connective tissue, yes. so mesenchyme. Yes. And so, again, this is very rare. But it's a proliferation of the mesenchymal t- tissues, mm-hmm. and it can cause these grape-like masses pr- protruding into the vaginal cl- uh, canal. And so I guess that's why probably when we're doing a um, pelvic examination, you're visualizing the cervix and the vaginal c- canal for this very purpose. Mm. But uh, it's very rare. Mm. I think we should just mention it for completeness, but... The biggest one we need to cover is squamous cell carcinoma, I think. Yes. Do you want to mention, so mention that a little bit? That would be a vaginal carcinoma. Yes. And it's arising from the most common tissue that's lined in the vagina, a non-keratinizing squamous epithelium. And so this one is related to high, uh, exposure to high-risk HPV. Yes. We will mention that HPV, there's two types, high-grade high, high grade and low-grade, mm. depending on the type, right? So there's, um, there's 16... Uh, 16 and 18, 18 are high-grade. Yeah, high-grade, yeah. and... 6 and 11, I yes. believe, they're the low-grade ones. So these are related to high-risk exposure to HPV. And these precursor lesions, the precursor lesions to the vaginal carcinoma 
is this thing called vein, vaginal intraepithelial neoplasia. Yeah, so exactly right. You with HPV infection, we'll go through the um, we'll go through it in more detail. Mm. But it, it infects this the cell layers, and they'll develop the intraepithelial neoplasia, and that uh, that can further development uh, develop into a carcinoma. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And a lot of these sort of HPV associated tumors have this sort of in situ cancer before it becomes fully malignant. Um, and it's got an interesting nodal drainage. It's kind of like the, the testes where the testes drain into a different region. Mm, and the scrotum. Fatty, and the scrotum drains differently. So it's kind of like that for the vagina as well, where the lower two-third goes into the inguinal no- nodes and the yep. upper one-third goes into the iliac nodes. Mm. So that's kind of like, it's really unusual because like the scrotum and testes, they have different drainages. That's really cool. Let's finish up by talking about the vulva. Yes. Um, so, what are some like non-neoplastic growths? There's, I think, there's three that we should be familiar with. Mm, okay, so one of them is a Bartholin cyst, and you, in order to know what a Bartholin cyst is, you need to know what a Bartholin, where a Bartholin gland is. And I think they're just positioned um, uh, laterally to the external appearance of yes, to the lateral lower part yeah. of the the vagina. Yes. Yeah. And so, what could happen is that I think a blockage of the gland can cause a cystic dilation of the. Uh, so, a blockage of the tube could cause a dilation in the gland. Yes, and because the, the glands yeah. are not emptying. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, so they produce this serous fluid that goes into the vaginal um, canal. And then when it's blocked, it's really painful and large. And so, when we're doing sort of the pelvic exam, we're looking for bustle and cysts um, mm. during the external. Uh, inspection of the um, the genital area. Yes. What about condylomas? What are they all about? Condylomas are once again a, a warty neo neoplasm mm. of the vulvular skin, and these are associated with HPV types six and eleven, so the low grade yeah. uh, HPVs. Yeah. So they call gen- they cause genital warts, don't they? Yes. Um, yep, and it, I think it very rarely progresses into carcinomas. You have to have some serious displayed prolonged immunosuppression. I think that that would trigger it. Mm. Let's finish off the sort of the non-neoplastic causes. We're talking about um, lichen sim- simplex, and I think is it called lichen sclerosis as well? They've got different names, I think, but I think it means the same thing if I'm not mistaken. Mm. What's that all about, Andy? So with the lichen simplex. It's actually a neoplasia, uh, sorry, a um, hyperplasia of the vulvular squamous epithelium on the um, on the outside, and so with these ones they present as a, a characteristic leukoplakia, so a yes. whitish appearance, and this is because of a thick le- leathery vulvular skin that that is uh, associated with mm. the disease. Yeah, and I think you're going to get. Um... Uh, fatty, the the fatty tissue um, surrounding the valve is also going to atrophy as well, so it looks really thin and fatty. And can you get labial fusions as well, if I'm not mistaken? I think so. Yeah, I, I think you can. Yeah, as the the labia because of this um, leukoplakia can start to fuse together, which is terrible because you know that's going to affect how well the mm. vaginal canal can can open. Mm. Um, but it is benign, isn't it? Yes. Uh, in majority cases. Now let's talk about some of the malignant types. Um, they're really important. There's, I think there's really three components for us to discuss. Let's talk about valvular intraepithelial neoplasia. So that's dysplastic with malignant potential to transform. What's that all about? So this one, valvular intraepithelial neoplasia, or VIN, V-I-N, is once again associated with HPV, mm. the virus again. And so when this virus affects the valvular cells, they develop VIN. And it's uh, with a high grade, yeah. high grade HPV, so 16 and 18. They could be another risk factor could be cigarette smoking, or um, lichen sclerosis. Yep. Yep. And uh, so 
just as a definition of what the vin is, is it's a squamous epithelial neoplasia without the invasion beyond the basement membrane. So it's a pre-invasive one. Exactly. And you're going to macroscopically, you see this white sort of leukoplakia mm -hmm. um, around the volvular um, region of the, the vagina, but also macro microscopically you see hyperkeratosis, which explains why you get this whiteness um, or, or leathery texture. Mm. The epithelium is going to be thicker, so acanthosis. Yeah. And also elongation of the retopegs when you do a histology examination as well. Mm. But it's not in itself. It has the potential to transform, but it's not quite there yet in terms of malignancy. So what happens if it does transform? What's that called? So it's a volvular carcinoma yeah. involving the squamous epithelium of the vulva. Yeah. These are uh, relatively rare, you could say, but only counting for a small percentage of the... Um, the female genital cancers but i guess if you're of an age of 60 and above then that, that puts you at a higher risk mm. um once again this one could also present as leukoplakia so i guess from what what you can probably pick up now is if someone has a leukoplakia that's on the vulva you have to think of some different diagnoses yeah even leukoplakia on the mouth is is you know that leukoplakia seems to be a concerning feature of many presentations it may be associated with cancer in patients mm. um, so a biopsy may be required to actually dif distinguish whether if they were the benign lichen simplex uh, chronicus or if it was the the vins or if it's actually a volvular carcinoma exactly right yeah mm. so you can get non-hpv related ones and that's due to just long-standing mm. um, um, lichen or lichen sclerosis because of that chronic inflammation that could be causing Mm -hmm. um, this dysplasia in, in the um, squamous cells. But let's finish up by talking about extra mammary Paget's disease. We mentioned Paget's disease mm. in another talk, didn't we? Do you remember what that was? The breast, wasn't yes. it? Yes, and cancer. it was associated with ductal carcinomas in situ, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But what's it doing in... How is that related to the vaginal sort of... Or volvular tumors? Well, these usually from, from with the... Uh, extra mammary Paget's diseases. They're characterized by a malignant epithelial cell mm. that's uh, that comes in presence in the epidermis of the vulva. So I think it's an external cell, isn't it? Yeah. So so it's related to that area. Mm. And again, whenever you see Paget's disease, it's an indication of a carcinoma in situ, isn't it? Just like okay. ductal cell carcinomas in the breast. Yeah. So it really warrants further investigation. Um, and the way. Melanomas can sometimes present with this somewhat similar feature. You know, melanoma, we'll talk about skin cancers in a future episode, but melanomas have some weird mm. things they do. They can, they're neuroendocrine, so they can, or they're from the neural ectal crest, so they do some unusual things. And sometimes they can manifest in unusual parts of the body. Um, and so you need to distinguish Paget's disease, which mm -hmm. is, you know, on the surface of the ball with melanoma. Okay. And I think they stain differently. So I think Paget's disease is, not staying with the S100, which we mention in, um, we'll mention in a future episode. Yes. But melanoma staying with um, S100 and cytokeratin is negative as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's a way of uh, distinguishing the two. That's the important that's aspect point. from this point. Yeah. But um, I don't think we should go into any more detail because it's, there is it, we mentioned it for completeness probably talked about way too much too, way too much information in just this talk yeah exactly so do you want to just um quickly summarize it we'll go through each of them we'll just mention the cancer ones yeah the carcinoma okay ones. so we began in the fallopian tube a benign one was an adenomatoid tumor a malignant one could have been a metastases as you mentioned from the ovaries or a um, primary carcinoma what did we talk about then afterwards we went into the uterus, so i think right? we went into yeah we went into the uterus yeah 
And so with the uterus, we mentioned that in terms of benign, lyomyoma was important, and in terms of malignant, uh, endometrial carcinomas are important. Yep. Then we went into the cervix, but we'll skip the cervix for a future episode. Yep. We went into the vagina, and a benign one is called, a, is it a squamous papilloma? papilloma? Yes. Yeah. And what are some examples of three malignant So we've ones? got, okay, well, we'll start with the common one now. This time is a squamous cell carcinoma. And rare ones, you need you can get the clear cell adenocarcinoma uh, from the exposure of deaths. And then you've got the embryonal rhabdomyosarcoma that could develop in the mm. vagina as well. And then finally, we went when to you saw with the vul- vulva. Yeah, vulva yeah. Yeah. And so we had uh, f- so the fibroepithelial polyps that could appear in the vulva. Uh, or you could have, uh, so um, in the malignant ones, you could have either vulval intraepithelial neoplasia, yep. bin, vulval carcinomas that were a bit more severe. And also we mentioned the extra mammary Paget's disease. Perfect. Exactly right. So that's it for this episode. In our next episode, we'll finish off the female genital tumors by talking about ovaries and the cervix. Mm-hmm. We hope it's not going to be too long, but the ovaries are very interesting. So we might spend a little bit more time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening, guys. listening to our common rounds podcast you can find all of our episodes notes selective experiences and much more content on our website so come visit us at the commonrounds.wordpress.com and see you next time